You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Job chapter 41, verses 1 through 9, a description of Leviathan. In spite of Job's apparent humility and silence as God interrogates him, we aren't sure he's really convinced that he has no right to question God's justice or if he's just been browbeaten into submission. So God will ask him another chapter of rhetorical questions until he finally understands who he's trying to pick a fight with. When I was a child, there was a Broadway musical in the U.S. called Your Arms Too Short to Box with God. I googled it, and it's apparently based on the book of Matthew. But regardless, that title always amused me. Here, Job thought he could box with God, but he's finding out his arms are too short. God had described many animals that he has created and cared for as examples to Job. But he uses two in particular to compare to himself. The first was Behemoth, a giant land dinosaur, and dinosaurs and people coexisted in the early days of Earth. Most died in the flood, as we find many fossils quickly buried by mud and water, which is how fossils are formed. Then after the flood, the climate of the world changed dramatically, since the water canopy was gone, having emptied out onto the world during the flood. And that would have killed many more after their habitat was different. The whole antediluvian or pre-flood world was tropical, as we find dinosaur fossils in Canada as well. Then the rest were likely killed because of the people's fear of them. And that's why there are pictographs depicting dinosaurs all over the world, as well as stories of such creatures being slain by people who were then regarded as heroes for saving them from danger. But I digress. The second animal God describes to compare his power to Job's takes up the rest of this chapter. It is called Leviathan, and this is some type of sea monster. From the description, it sounds like a plesiosaur or aquatic dinosaur but we don't know for sure. Another one of those questions that we'll have to wait till we get to heaven to be answered. It may have been especially large. Over the centuries, they have found giant aquatic creatures like giant squid or octopuses that have been captured or have washed up on shore. Whatever it was, it struck terror into the hearts of anyone who was unfortunate enough to cross its path. So Job would be familiar with the names of these two creatures and may have seen them for himself if he hadn't heard about them from others. He mentioned it in chapter 3, verse 8. May those who curse days curse that day, those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. So it's mentioned in a few other scriptures as well. Psalm 104 says, How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you formed, to frolic there. And Isaiah 27.1 says, In that day the Lord will punish with his sword, his fierce, great, and powerful sword, Leviathan, the gliding serpent, Leviathan, the coiling serpent. He will slay the monster of the sea. And Psalm 74 says, It was you who split open the sea by your power, You broke the heads of the monster in the waters. It was you who crushed the heads of Leviathan and gave it as food for the creatures of the desert. 
So God begins by asking Job if he's ever gone fishing for Leviathan. Can he capture it with a hook in its mouth like he would catch a fish, or tie it down with a rope? Would this creature beg Job for mercy, gently appealing to him to be set free? Would it bargain with Job and agree to terms to be his slave if he'd spare its life? Could Job control it, turn it into a pet, and lead it on a leash in front of his family? Can he have a great feast and divide it among his friends, or make a fortune by selling it off piece by piece to merchants? If he tries to hunt it, would he have enough harpoons and fishing spears to overcome and kill it? If anyone dared to touch it and lived to tell of it, they would learn from the struggle and never try to do it again. This creature is so fierce, any hope of subduing it is false, because even the mere sight of it is overwhelming. Verses 10 to 11. What is a creature compared to the Creator? Now the comparison. God says, No one is fierce enough to rouse it. Who then is able to stand against me? So this is another argument from the lesser to the greater, or in this case, greatest. This is a terrifying creature, and yet it's just a creature. The one who made it is far more awesome and intimidating and terrifying. Who are we to think we can fight against God? Then God asks, Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. God owes no one anything. If we are spared from hell, it is his mercy. If we are saved from our sins and promised heaven, it is his grace. We don't work for it and we don't buy it. We can't demand he be merciful or else mercy is no longer mercy. We own nothing of our own but our stewards, caring for things that belong to God alone. Everything under heaven belongs to him. And the implication is that he is not our equal that we can drag to court. Job understood that much in Job 9.32. So we can't complain if he takes anything back. In this, Job was right when he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. So verses 12 to 34, a further description of Leviathan. The rest of this chapter gives us more detail about Leviathan, describing the strength in its neck, its graceful form, a fearsome ring of teeth, tight scales, flames from its mouth and smoke from its nostrils, and a chest as hard as rock. It seems to have been able to raise itself out of the water, which would terrify any sailors or fishermen in boats. It says, when it rises up, the mighty are terrified, they retreat before its thrashing. It seems invincible to any weapons of the day. Neither sword, spear, dart, nor javelin have any effect. It treats iron like straw and bronze like rotten wood. Slingstones are like chaff to it. Arrows don't scare it away. Clubs are like a piece of straw, and it laughs when it hears the rattling of a lance. Its undersides are described as jagged potsherds, leaving a trail in the mud like a threshing sledge does. So this tells us that it can go into the shallows, even though it makes its home in the sea unlike crocodiles, which are only in rivers. And as it moves through the depths, like the water churns like a boiling cauldron, and the seas are stirred up. It says it leaves a glistening wake behind it. One would think the deep had white hair. Many, if not most creatures, have a natural fear of man for their own self-preservation, and God put that into them. 
Genesis 9-2 says, The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth, and on all the birds in the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground, and on all the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands. Not so for Leviathan. He has no enemies to fear. Nothing on earth is its equal, a creature without fear. But not only is he neutral to other creatures, he looks down on them because he is so proud of his own strength. It looks down on all that are haughty. It is king over all that are proud. So God's purpose in describing these two enormous beasts to Job was to help him to see that if he couldn't control them, he is not qualified to sit on God's throne or to judge how he rules the universe. Because the creature, Leviathan, is sometimes used to represent Satan, whom people fear, but God controls because he created him, it reminds us that we need not fear Satan, in spite of the harm he can cause, because he is under God's sovereign control, as we saw in chapter 1 and 2. Job needed to learn this, and we all need to learn this. D.A. Carson reminds us, even if God were not the supremely good God he is, we would have no comeback. He owns us. He owns the universe. All the authority is his. There is no outside place from which to judge him. To pretend otherwise is futile. Worse, it is part of our race's rebellion against God, imagining he owes us something, imagining we are well-placed to tell him off. Such wild fantasy is neither sensible nor good. So this ends God's interrogation of Job. We'll see Job's response next. Scarlet threads. So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or an application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? Leviathan, as well as behemoth, are described to Job in order to teach him that as terrifying as these creatures are, the Creator is more so. We need to fear God more than man. If Leviathan is a type of our enemy, Satan, we need to be aware of his schemes so we are not fooled by him, but we must remember he is also a created being and is a defeated foe and can do nothing without permission from God. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Job chapter 42. May God bless the study of his word.